grab our Bibles, Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3, verse number 1, is where we are going to be tonight. It's been a little bit since we've been in the book of Joshua, a couple weeks, but... Book of Joshua, chapter number 3, verse number 1. We're going to read the first six verses, and then we'll get started tonight. And Joshua rose up early in the morning, and they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host, and they commanded the people, saying, When ye see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then ye shall remove from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about two thousand cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that ye may know the way by which ye must go. For ye have not passed this way heretofore. And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua spake unto the priests, saying, Take up the ark of the covenant and pass over before the people. And they took up the ark of the covenant and went before the people. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for today. We thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you for the time that we get to come together and just um, pray, Lord, but also give praise to you for what you have done. Let's pray that you would um, speak to us through your word, that you would um, allow me to communicate what you are saying in this passage, Lord, and that we could learn from it and live our lives differently this week. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Life is full of obstacles, both physical and spiritual. No matter where you go in your life, each and every day, we are going to face trials. We are going to face tests in which we desperately need God's leadership and God's power. Each and every day, as we go through life, there's going to be little things that come up, or big things, however you want to look at it. Nothing is little when it's your situation. When it's, it may say, that's a little, like Pastor talked about in Sunday school this morning. It's, a, it's little until it becomes our situation. Then suddenly it is very big. But we all go through situations in our life, and there's tests and trials each and every day of our life where we desperately need God's leadership and God's power evident in our lives. How about maintaining a righteous attitude in New York City traffic? Maintaining or on the subway when everybody is cramming together and pushing you out of your way. I'm sure we have all experienced somebody just losing it on the subway car because somebody bumped into them one too many times. But maintaining that righteous an attitude that would be honoring to God on the subway. You know what? We need God's power to do that. We can't do that. It isn't just... Um, Ginning it up in ourselves, turning it and cranking it out. I'm going to have that. No, it needs to come from God. We need God flowing through us to have that right attitude. Or how about decisions on how we spend our time and where we devote today's energies? Oh boy, each and every day, we need God's leadership in that, don't we? We need to, we need God's wisdom and God's power in our lives so that we do not spend our time, spend our energies, devote where our direction is on things that are frivolous things that don't matter, but when we put it on what God wants us to focus on. 
or wisdom what to say in the moment when somebody says something to us. Whether it's off the cuff and you say, why did that person just have to say that to me right now? Or someone comes up to you, one of your unsaved co-workers, they're dealing with a situation in their life and they know you know God. And they're going to come up and they're going to ask a question about you. Just totally out of the blue. You know what? Each and every one of these situations, we need God's leadership and God's power in our life if we are going to go through each one of these tests, go through each one of these trials the way God wants us to. And there were also, and we may look at that and say, you know what? That's something that comes up every day. That's something where I need it every day. But also, in our lives, there's going to be times where we face something that is seemingly impossible, unmovable, insurmountable, whatever adjective you want to put in there about this situation. It seems just like an impossible situation. And it may not be that it just comes up in a flash, but it's something that's there day after day that you're dealing with. Like an unsaved family member that you're praying for and saying, God, how are you going to deal with this situation? Lord, give me the leadership and your power, your wisdom, so when the opportunity comes, I am ready to witness to them. I'm ready to say what you would have me to say so they could truly come to know who you are. Maybe it is just a sin in your life. I'm just throwing this out there. Christians struggle with sin, yes, and it just keeps coming back and bothering you and bothering you. And it can seem almost insurmountable. You just can't get past of it. Or disappointments in our life. You were expecting someone, something of someone, or you were something you thought was going to happen this way. And we're humans. There's going to be disappointments in our life. No matter what we're facing, whether it's something seemingly small or an insurmountable trial, we all desperately need God's leadership and God's power in our lives. We all are in desperate need each and every day, each and every activity we pursue. We need God to lead us and we need God's power in our life if we are going to move forward for Him. If we are going to cross the test, the trial that God has placed in front of us. And this is where Israel was. They had followed God's leadership. Remember, they were on the east side of Jordan. They had come around the Canaan land and they were coming back across Jordan from the east traveling Yeah, I'm mixing it up. East traveling west. There we go. They were on the east side of Jordan. They were traveling west back into the land of Canaan where God had promised them. God had led them to this point. They weren't there by accident. They weren't facing the Jordan River just because they had happened to show up. They were following God's leadership. They had been following Moses Now, they had missed it the first time, and they had spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness. But now they're back. They're at the brink of Jordan. They are ready to cross over. They have seen God provide again and again and again. But if they were going to move in and begin the process of conquering the land, they were going to have to move past, at that time, an impossible obstacle. The Jordan River was right in front of them. They were camp when they were in camp when they had their campsite. Okay, there we go. When they had their campsite at Shittim, they were about seven miles east of the Jordan River. The spies came back with their report, and it was time to move forward. But I'm sure in the spies' report they said, Jordan River, Joshua. We need to know what to do. You see, the Bible later in Joshua chapter, um, verse number 15, and the end of verse number 15, it says, For Jordan overfloweth all his banks, 
all the time of harvest. You see, it was harvest time. God had allowed the children of Israel to come to the Jordan River at the one particular time of year where it was flood season. Ordinarily, the Jordan River, it wouldn't be that big of an issue to cross. But now, the Bible says, it overfloweth all his banks. So now, I had the privilege when I was on witness, I got to go to Colorado in Montana. And we went to Colorado early, early June. So the snow, we had left um, middle of May, we're in Colorado early June. So the snow runoff was still going on. So all the rivers, all the creeks that ordinarily would just be, you know, they'd be going on, they were just gushing down the side of the mountain, just in torrents. If you've ever seen videos or been at a place where spring was coming and the snow was melting and running off, and the water was just gushing through and just overflowing, just the roar of the water, you're not going to wade through. In fact, we were at one pastor's church in Colorado, and he had a Chesapeake Bay Retriever, which these dogs are tremendous swimmers. That's what they're known for. But he took us, we were going to go play some basketball, and he wanted to show us his dog, a beautiful dog somebody had given him. And he throws a stick out in the, in the creek that was by there, just an ordinary little storm runoff creek, nothing big. And we almost lost the dog. It, it got stuck in the current, and this extremely strong swimmer couldn't get out of the water. We had to go down there and kind of form a chain and reach out and grab the dog and pull it back in so the dog didn't drown. This very strong. That's when it's talking about that. That's what the Bible's talking about here. It isn't just going along. It's overflowing its banks. It's flooding the areas. It is dangerous to cross. The currents are very deceptive. In fact, the bottoms could be washed out some. So where you think it's shallow, you step in and go under, and that's the last you've ever, you were ever seen of. Okay? Not only were they just trying to cross the banks, they had to bring all their tents, all their food, all their belongings with them. They had all their herds and cattle. Back in the, our nation's history, back you've, if you've heard about the cowboys and the cattle drives, one of the most dangerous times, one of the times where the cowboys had to be most careful was where they were taking the cattle across the stream. If they didn't have a good swimmer among the cattle, they could lose half their herd. And totally wipe them out financially. So they're trying to bring their cattle across this dangerous river. And they had um, their little children with them. They had their wives and those who wouldn't be able to withstand the currents. So this is an impossible barrier, basically, that they're facing. And they had to cross the Jordan River to gain entrance to the promised land. Once again, this was the way God had brought them. And they were in desperate need of a miracle. Often, God is going to bring us face to face in our lives as we move forward, as we seek to follow God. God is going to bring us face to face with the impossible so that we realize He is the one who must meet every need, that it isn't us who is doing it in and of ourselves. It is only through God that we can see His will accomplished. God wants us to trust and follow Him. So we can see the wonders of God and glorify Him. So once again, as I asked in the introduction, what trials are you facing today? What issue in your life seems like a Jordan River in your life where it isn't just normal, it's overflowing its banks, it's impossible. Whether it's your health, knowing God's will, even just paying your bills in New York City can become absolutely overwhelming. 
But God is more than able to meet any need in our life. And God is bringing Israel here, bringing to this impossible moment, because He wants them to realize it is God that is going to give them the victory, not only over the Jordan River, but over everything that they're going to come to in the Canaan land. Because the Christian life isn't, I just have to get past this one struggle, and then everything is going to be perfect. Isn't that how, if I can just graduate high school, my life will be perfect. Then I have to graduate college. And then you realize there's a thing called life. Like every day. Miss, Miss Pam and I were talking, joking, like, what did you do on your birthday? I'm like, I worked. He's like, yep, you're an adult now. That's what you do on your birthday when you were a little kid. I got school off the day. It was, oh, it was great. It was my birthday. No. I'm an adult now. Guess what we do? We work on our birthday. Every single day, every single day that we come across, you know what it is? It's another trial. It's another end. Life, the Christian life isn't this one big thing. Because you know what? The children of Israel, as soon as they crossed the Jordan River, as soon as God provided that miracle, which He will, and we're going to, next week, Lord willing, we'll get into that. Then they had Jericho. And God had to work miracle after miracle after miracle the whole time they were going through the land. And that's the way our lives are as Christians. It isn't just this one big event that I have to go through. It is daily trusting and submitting ourselves to God so that God can work. So how did Joshua and the nation of Israel respond to this impending trial? They knew the Jordan River was ahead of them. So verse number one, And Joshua rose early in the morning, and they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan. You know what they did? He said, all right. He had just heard the report from the two spies saying, God has delivered the land into our hand. Remember where the two spies went in with Rahab and that, all that, where they came back and told Joshua, God is doing exactly what he was said he was going to do. So you know what, Joshua? All right, nation. We're getting up early in the morning. We got the 530 flight. We're getting up early in the morning. We're leaving. We're moving. We're going to take the seven-mile journey. And now we are at the banks of Jordan River. Maybe the um, people didn't know. All of the people didn't know the Jordan River was overflowing. Maybe they did. We don't know. But what they did is they rose up early in the morning and they said, we are going to be ready for what God is going to do. There was no doubt in Joshua's mind that God would make a way. He had seen God work in amazing ways. Joshua was one of the few that could remember the ten plagues of Egypt, that could remember the Red Sea crossing and the other miracles of God. He could remember what God had done before. There wasn't a doubt in his mind, but maybe the people behind him, there may have been a doubt in theirs. But here he is, he takes them and says, God is going to do what He promised us to do. God, is going to, God has said He's going to bring us into the land, and we're going to take the next steps necessary. We can't cross the Jordan River from seven miles away. We have the report from the spies, we're moving to the Jordan River. We're moving to the place where God is going to work. They still did not have any direction from the Lord on how they were going to cross the river. But they knew God had said they would cross. So they moved to where they needed to be so they could take the next step. And then God, through His men, gives needed direction on how to be prepared to cross the obstacle that was facing them. How could the children of Israel truly be prepared to do what God had for them to do. Not only Jordan River here, but each step that was coming. This applies specifically to Jordan River, but these same principles that we're going to study tonight apply to any part of our life. When we are seeking 
God's will, when God is saying, move forward, and we say, wait a second, God, I don't know how I'm going to make it through this next day. I don't know how I'm going to deal with this person. I don't know how I'm going to do it. God is saying, listen to me. Here are some things you need to learn. If you are going to cross that obstacle in front of you, Verse, and it came to, verse number two, and it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host and they commanded the people saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priest bearing it, then ye shall remove from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it about 2000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it that ye may know the way by which ye must go. For ye have not passed this way here to fore. The people were to wait and follow the Ark of the Covenant. Now, up to that time they had been encamped. So the tabernacle had been set up. The Ark of the Covenant would have been in the tent of the tabernacle. And then Joshua said, when you see the tabernacle come down, they're going to, the Levites, the priests, are going to cover up the Ark. They're going to put it on the poles that, that, that God had had them build so they could carry it. So the priests would come on their shoulders bearing the Ark of the Covenant, which was the symbol of all that God's promises with Israel. In that covenant, in that Ark of the Covenant, in that box, there was the two tablets of the law that God Himself had engraved in that stone with His finger. There was Aaron's rod that budded, and there was the pot of manna that, that they had put in. Symbolizing God has given us His law. God has provided for us. God has given everything. God is with us. There was a symbol of God's presence. The Ark of the Covenant. It was something, the most revered object in nations, in Israel's, all of their things. But they wouldn't see it. It would be covered up. But they would know it was it. There would be, the, the, um, the veil would be overwrapped because nobody was allowed to look into it. It was symboling God's presence, God's holiness, that we can't look upon God as we are. And here the Israelites, they, the officers begin to pass to the people. It says, wait till you see God passing on before you. Wait till you see the Ark of the Covenant passing on before you. And then follow at a distance, 2,000 cubits. It's a little over half a mile. Okay, to give us a visual, it would be about, you go to the front of the church, you look right, it would be about from here to Astoria Boulevard on 35th Street. That's about how far behind they were supposed to be. That's about half a mile right there. They were supposed to be that far behind the Ark of the Covenant. God gives them two reasons. That you may know the way which you go, for you have not passed this way heretofore. He says, you need to know where you're going, because you don't know where you're going. Is basically what God tells them. Tells them, listen, you need to stay behind, stay in the place that I want you to be, so you can know where to go, so you can have my leadership in your life, so you can know where you're supposed to cross the Jordan River, know when you're supposed to stop, know when you're supposed to go forward. You need to keep that distance. You need to stay where I tell you to stay because you don't know where you're going. I know where you're going. So stay in the place where you can see where I am going and then you can follow me. They didn't know. Now, some of them may have said, you know what? I've, um, I can go ahead and scout. I can, I can see where the best place to cross. They said, we've had two spies go across the Jordan River. They know where we need to go. No. What God was telling him is, you stay and you follow me. You stay in the physically in the place where I want you to be. 
You keep that distance from me because you don't know where you're going and you need to know where you're going. And then there's the other command. In in verse number 5, And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Sanctify yourselves. The people were to sanctify themselves in preparations for God's mighty work. He says, for God will work, God will do wonders among you. The word wonders would be the same word we would use in the New Testament as miracles. God is going to do some mighty supernatural acts in your lives tomorrow. So you need to be spiritually prepared for God to work in your life. If God is going to work in your life, you need to be spiritually prepared to see God do those mighty works. Okay, what, what does sanctify themselves would look like? Okay, well, we might say they were to do what God told them to do. They were to obey the law. No. They were already supposed to be obeying the law, each and every aspect, before this. The sanctifying themselves, you know what it would be? It would be taking a bath. It would be washing their clothes. It would be abstaining from certain foods and certain normal life routines. What it was is they were setting themselves apart for God. Because God was going to pour. It was going to take some effort on their part. They were going to have to take that night and they were going to have to, everybody in the family, they were going to have to go and heat the water and get a bath and begin to wash their clothes. Why? Because God was going to do some mighty works among them. And you know what the same is true in our lives today? It isn't that I need to go take a shower before I read my Bible. No. It's that it was a physical symbol of what was supposed to be going on on the inside. It was a consecration, a setting a, self, a setting apart of themselves. It was supposed to be, you know what, God is going to do something and I am going to make sure that my life matches up because God is holy and my life, if I'm going to serve God, my life needs to be holy with God. I'm, I'm not holy in and of myself, but I'm going to do everything that I can possibly do to make sure I am not hindering what God is trying to do. Basically, Israel was in desperate need of God's leadership and power if they were going to cross the Jordan River. They desperately needed something, a miracle from God, to cross the obstacle in front of them. And here's how they could experience that. Here's how they could see God provide what they needed. was by remaining physically and spiritually in a place of submission and dependence upon God. It was by remaining physically and spiritually in a place of submission and dependence upon God. They had to be physically in the place where God wanted them to be. They had to be physically that half a mile behind the Ark of the Covenant. That was a place God wanted them to be and then follow as they move forward. They also had to spiritually take the time to consecrate themselves, to sanctify themselves, to wash the dirt of the journey off them. As we go through this life, it's New York City. A city famous or I should say infamous, for its sin. For its free-for-all, do whatever you want to do, anything goes. Israel was facing the Jordan River. What are you facing today? Each and every one of us, if we, are go- we have a situation where we desperately need the experience, to experience the leadership and the power of God, but we can't do it just haphazardly. Just show up and say, God, you know, I go to church, you're going to bless me. I show up, I even give. 
I, I mean, I even talk to others about you. No, because we all have the tendency to move from the place of submission God desires us. We all have that to where we are no longer in the place where we're completely dependent upon God. We have Our little plans begin to creep into our minds and we say, well, if we could do it this way, I have a better idea here. Or, um, I just, if I could just see these things accomplished in my life, if I could have these characteristics of, you know, I just know what to say when somebody asks me, or I just know how to make things work. If I have those characteristics in my life, things are going to happen. God is going to be able to do mighty things. God is going to be able to conquer that obstacle in front of me. No, what is true in their lives is true in our lives. The situations we face today is not dependent upon what I have, God didn't tell Joshua, get your best swimmers out there and build a bridge across and use your, um, build some rafts and, you know, Joshua, plan this out. You got this, man. No, what God told Joshua is, number one, you let me take the lead. You let me get the leadership. You need to be physically where I want you to be so that you are behind me and I am the one providing the leadership. You know, oftentimes why we get into trouble, it isn't because... We're not doing, doing what we're supposed to be. We're not where we're supposed to be. We're not taking the time to be on our knees in prayer. We're not taking the time to wait on God. We're always trying to get one step ahead of God. We're trying to jump the gun. You ever seen it at the Olympics? Where the person jumps the gun? You know what they call that? False start. You get too many false starts, you don't get to run the race. And God is telling the children of Israel... You do not know where you're going. You need me to tell you where you're going. Isn't that true in our lives today? No matter what the situ- what it, whatever it is, what job do I take? How do I talk to this person? How do I put up with this coworker? How would you be physically where God wants you to be in church? Sitting in the place where God wants you to be. Not jumping the gun. Taking, trying to take the leadership from God. Because you know why? Each and one of us have the tendency to leave that place of submission. To begin to think we can do it on our own. Or, spiritually. We could say, I'm in church. I'm, I'm where God wants me to be. I, you know, I know God wants me to be here in New York City attending Open Door Bible Baptist Church. But why am I not seeing the victory God wants to see? It? I know God wants in my life. Why am I not? Whatever the situation is, plug it in. I can't think of everyone's. I shouldn't be able to think of everyone's. You know what God is working in your life about or what you are facing today. And you could say, I'm in church where I'm supposed to be. Are you spiritually in a place of submission? It isn't just, are you spending time reading your Bible? Are you spending time in prayer? It's, have you stopped and taken the time to sanctify sanctify yourself before God? Have you taken the time to say, God, you are holy and I must take time, separate myself because you are holy and I'm to live my life for you. It isn't my plans. It isn't my um, abilities I'm to follow you, and I'm to sanctify myself for you. You know if Israel is going to see it, see God cross the Jordan River for them, they need to be physically and spiritually where God wanted them to be.
I think we could all see that from there. They needed to be physically and spiritually where God wanted them to be. One of the hardest place, things for a Christian to do is to consistently remain in that place of submission to God. Consistently remain where God wants us, where we are moldable, where we are following what God wants to say, where we have taken the time to say, God, you are holy and I need to clean my life. I not just do what I'm supposed to do, but realize I am not holy. I don't know where I need to go. God, you are the one who needs to be where we submit ourselves to God as the ultimate being, as God is the one who must control our lives. It might even sound a little bit like, be still and know that I am God. God wants to work wonders in our lives. God wants to see His name glorified through our lives. But that doesn't mean it's going to happen. In Joshua, we're reading about the second generation. The first generation, God wanted them to inherit the promised land. God wanted them to see the victory. But they spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness because they weren't physically and spiritually where God wanted them to be. They weren't physically and spiritually in a place of submission and dependence upon God. God wanted this this generation in Joshua, God wanted Joshua and these people to inherit the land. But if they were going to do it, they needed to stay in a place of submission and watch God work. We must stay in our place and follow God's leadership in our lives. God does not need your help. God does not need my help. But if we're going to see God overcome the obstacles in our life, It's when we submit to God. When we say, God, I don't know the way to go. You know the way to go. When we say, God, I am, you are holy and I am not. I need to make sure, not that I, not that I'm just checking off my devotions, but that I am spending time with you and making sure my life is prepared and separated so that you can work wonders in my life. God does not use dirty vessels. In this city, it's in every day. It isn't. Like I said, it isn't this one. If I can just make it through this, everything is perfect and I'm flying free. No. Every single day. We must constantly submit to the physical and spiritual place God wants us to be. Be where God commands us to be. You and I can experience the leadership and the power of God that we so desperately need by remaining physically and spiritually in a place of submission and dependence upon God. So, stay in a place of submission and watch God work. Stay where God wants you to be and we can watch God work miracles. In the next chapter, they are going to cross the Jordan River. They will. Why? Because they followed what God said. They stayed where God wanted them to be They spiritually prepared themselves to follow God. Each and every day, we must do the same thing. So have you crossed Jordan? Is my question. You're facing it. Have you seen God give you the victory over that trial in your life? Over past trials? 
you're saying, this, it just isn't working. There, there is no victory here. I want to challenge you. Spend some time with God. Get in a place. I need it just as much as anyone else here. Where we are physically and spiritually exactly where God wants us to be. Where we are physically and spiritually dependent and submitted to God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for tonight. We thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you for the clarity of it, Lord, and how it applies to us today. I just pray as we go forth this week that we would serve you and that we would stay submitted to you and that you would show us what areas in our life need to change. And we'll just take a moment. If you need to come forward and pray, you can. Or just pray there in your seat. Just take a moment.